0: Speak to us through my words so that you may hear. In Christ's name. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. There. All right. Everyone wants to hear the sermon, right? <laughs> yeah. It's painful. Did I hear someone say it's painful? No. <laughs> so this gospel, it's really interesting. So I've been a priest now for, I don't know, six or seven years, and I've got enough time to go through the cycle, the lectionary cycle, a couple of times, and I've never preached this, on this gospel. I'm always on vacation this weekend. <laughs> so just my luck, eh? I feel like a new priest, just out. Never had to preach on this gospel. And, you know, I thought, well, good Samaritan gospel can't be too tough. Everyone knows about the good Samaritan. We've got Good Samaritan laws. People talk about Good Samaritans. But I, I don't think that general society, the people out there, really get what this parable is about. And really, when, you, when you, we look at the gospel, it's just one part of a bigger story. So the parable is one story, but you've got the story of the lawyer, the expert in the law, and Jesus, which frames it. And the parable is just an answer to one of the questions in this dialogue between the lawyer and jesus and that's what i I actually want to focus more on that dialogue than i do on the parable itself so the first audience of luke's gospel those people that heard what luke wrote in the first century would have heard an outrageous story of jesus talking to a lawyer about how to inherit eternal life. And eternal life is coded language for Christians because it speaks to God's salvation, the promise of God's salvation, which is offered to everyone through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So those early Christians would know when this lawyer is asking about the promise of eternal life, they're talking. He's talking about the promise that Jesus has brought to, to the world. So this gospel, as I, I said earlier, it opens with a dialogue between the lawyer and Jesus. And they have a respectful conversation. I mean, the lawyer calls Jesus teacher. Um, and Jesus speaks to the lawyer as an equal, so someone who has knowledge of the law. That's the Jewish scriptures. And the lawyer seems generally interested in Jesus' opinion and about what he must do to have eternal life. And the lawyer knows his scriptures well. He asks good questions, and he gives good answers. And when Jesus asks him what's written in the law, the lawyer quotes from the Hebrew Bible with verses we know as the two great commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus acknowledges that that, this lawyer's interpretation is correct and confirms that living this way will result in life. And here's where Luke's story takes an interesting turn because Jesus confirms that it will give life. But now the lawyer wants to do what lawyers do. He wants to know, like, well, who's my neighbor? Who, Who do I have to do this stuff to? Can we put a little bounds on this so that I know, like, what action I need to take? Like, how am I going to meet the law so I'm going to get salvation? And Jesus takes this opportunity to help the lawyer start the longest journey in the world, the one from the head to the heart, from the earthly world that we live in to God's kingdom, with a simple, outrageous parable about a priest a Levite and a Samaritan. Now, early listeners of the gospel would have considered the priest and the Levite holy men. Certainly to Jews, they would be holy because they worked in the temple and served the Lord. So they would certainly be considered people who most Jews would consider on the road to being justified, being right with God. Samaritans, however, well, from the Jewish perspective, or just the opposite. Uh, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along, not at all. A religious historian would say that they have common religious roots and similar religious practices, but Jews and Samaritans would have disagreed. They, They did not see each other as neighbor. Okay, they didn't see each other as, as in the same sort of community. They had similar religious roots and faith practices, but they had very, very different understandings of worship and how to worship and who was worthy of worship. Like, for example, the Jews worshipped in a temple on, in Jerusalem, on the Temple Mount. But Samaritans worshipped at another Mountain in Samaria called Mount Gerzim. So you've got these two people following similar faith practices but worshiping in different areas and really not talking to each other, not at all. So, oh, another, another thing that's interesting, like Jesus, he lived, in, he lived and worked in, in, in Nazareth, but that's in Galilee, and you had Jerusalem down here. And to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, you had to go, th- like, Samaria was the shortest route, right? And, 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 and pious Jews would take a longer route to avoid walking through Samaria so they wouldn't get tainted by meeting up with any Samaritans. So, like, there's a lot of things going on there between Samaritans and Jews, and everyone in the first century would understand. Like, a Samaritan and a Jew, they just did not, they didn't do things for each other. They weren't neighbors. So, here we have the priest and the Levite. They see a desperate man, but they pass on the other side. And Jews, at the time, the lawyer, uh, the listeners to the gospel, they would all have expected the priest and the Levite to be the good guys who saw this, this person in pain um, hurting side of the road, they would have expected them to see that need to stop and help. But they would have also understood that the priest and the Levite, by passing to the other side, would have evaded their responsibility in the law to help a neighbor by not recognizing them, not recognizing that person. So as long as they don't see them as a neighbor, that's okay, we followed the law, but, you know, because we didn't see them. And that's a person that God commanded them to love. Now, you've got to contrast what the priest and the Levite did with what the Samaritan did, right? He stopped and helped. Helped a Jewish stranger, someone that no one would have expected him to help. They aren't neighbors. They aren't even acquaintances. And I can imagine the lawyer thinking in the middle of that parable, neighbor, hmm. Neighbor, that could mean a whole lot of people, like, He's trying to get his numbers of neighbors down to something he can control. And what the, Jesus is telling me in the parable is, neighbors, neighbors, you, you don't have any boundaries for neighbors. And what the lawyer does is what lawyers do best. No offense to lawyers, but he analyzes, specifies, qualifies, you know, who warrants my attentions? Who must I notice? Who has a legitimate claim on me to be called neighbor? He wants to know that stuff. He's doing exactly what the priest and the Levite are doing in the parable. And the lawyer's real dilemma is not what to do for a neighbor. He knows what to do. His dilemma is trying to keep control, keeping God's law in a box, keeping God in a box, and placing boundaries on his neighborhood and what God has asked him to do. The lawyer wants to be sure he knows who he must be nice to and who he can ignore. He wants to pick and choose who his neighbors are. You know, there's an expression I use a lot in my work and did in the Navy, and that's someone who can't see the forest for the trees. Have you ever heard that? I think the lawyer would rather see the trees than the forest. And the fewer trees he can see, the better. it makes his world smaller and he can control it better but the problem is as a christian our world our life the kingdom is all about relationships and god doesn't let us put bounds on relationships it's it's really important for us to build a good relationship with god and with our neighbors and when we're following jesus we need to pay attention to his two great commandments to love god and to love our neighbors And God doesn't put boundaries on who our neighbors are. How we live matters because our relationships are paramount. And I I know God calls us to stretch beyond the limited confines of our imagination of who's in and who's out and who deserves our help and who doesn't deserve our help. We need to pray that God's going to reveal for us who our neighbor is. We can't rely on our own will to pick and choose like that's that's dangerous we need God to help us identify who's worthy the children of God are worthy and that's what it means to be good that's why the Samaritan is called good It's because of who he is not what he does and I'll get to that in a second so when Jesus counsels the lawyer to go and do likewise He's speaking to us, not just the lawyer. He's speaking to us. And we need to see ourselves as the Samaritan and pray that God would supply us with compassion and mercy to respond to people that we want to pass by. We've all got that temptation to move to the other side of the road when we get to something that we really know we should do something about. We all know what we need to do. We just need the faith to do it. Like, for me personally, my challenge isn't knowing what I should do and what I shouldn't do. I, do, I know that. It's having, it's having the vision to see those people in need and to recognize them as my neighbor and to show the mercy that I've experienced in Christ. My problem isn't lack of information. It's lack of faith. I need the eyes of faith as I see others so that i can see them as my neighbor children of god loved by god just as i'm loved now if you want some advice and maybe you don't want advice i'm going to give it to you anyway if you want some advice about what to do and what not to do start with this pray for faith to follow god's commands to love love god and love your neighbor get your relationships right with god and right with others And then for the eyes to see who's in need and what it is you need to do. See, we're kingdom people with a mission and a God whose love is so broad and so deep that anyone in need is welcomed and loved. Amen.